series this morning, and uh, we're excited about it. We just finished up the Stranger Things series, talking about the supernatural. But the whole month of November, we're going to start a new series called Testify. <laughs> Can everybody say that? Testify. So we're going to start a new series this morning, and I'm excited about it. So Revelation 12, if you got your Bibles, in verse 11. And in Revelation 12 and verse 11 in the New King James, it says, And they overcame him. Now, uh, when it talks about they overcame him, it's talking about the devil, Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. But notice that they overcame him. Him is the devil or any demonic thing that would be against you. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now look at your neighbor and say, I got a testimony. Look at your other neighbor and say, I got a testimony. So today we're going to start this series called Testify talking about the power this morning of your testimony, the power of your testimony. Well, first of all, uh, a testimony is this. A testimony is something that is given a lot of times in a courtroom. There is a witness. Now, a witness is somebody who has seen some things and heard some things and experienced some things that everybody else in the courtroom hasn't. And they get up in the front and they testify or they give a testimony of what they've experienced, what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've experienced firsthand. And they give a testimony in the courtroom. So a testimony is something that you have witnessed, you have experienced. It is the evidence of things not seen. And a testimony is given as an experience that God has given you, something that God has done in your life. Maybe God has saved you and he's healed you and he's delivered you. Maybe he's brought you peace when you were troubled. Maybe he's given you joy when you were depressed. Everyone in here has a testimony and more than one, most of us. And so today we want to talk about the power of your testimony. Not just the power of somebody else's testimony, the power of your testimony. Everybody say, my testimony. So we see that the testimony is powerful. The testimony either can convict somebody or it can let them go free. Testimonies are important and they are, notice, a witness or evidence of something that is experienced. Now, we live in a world today that wants to talk a lot about God but doesn't know God. They want to argue about doctrine, teaching. They want to argue about, are you a Calvinist? Are you an Arminianist? Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? Do you believe in the free will of God? I believe in all the above. The point is not in arguments because you will never win arguments with other people who don't want to believe something. But the point is this. You can argue all day and never get to the root of the issue, but you can't argue about somebody's experience. You can't argue about somebody's life being changed. You can't argue about somebody who was dead and now is alive. You can't argue about somebody being healed that the doctor said you had a couple months to live. You can't argue with somebody who used to be depressed and now is delivered because an experience always trumps an argument. 
And that's why I say as a church, let me encourage you, don't get into arguments with people about doctrine, about teaching, about what do you believe about this, because they're pointless. And the Bible actually says, don't get into arguments that don't profit anything. Because there's no point because you're going to be going round and round in circles arguing about stuff that does not matter when you could be talking about something that does matter, which is the power of God, a testimony. And what's going to change your life and what's going to change somebody else's life that's outside of church, outside of a relationship with God, is not your doctrine. It's not what you know about the Bible. What's going to change their life is your testimony. Your testimony. No, not just I heard this testimony at church. Your testimony. A firsthand account. Because you were a witness to it. And you're evidence of the goodness of God. So your testimony is powerful. Everybody say my testimony. And we see the Bible says in Revelations 12, 11, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Notice that we overcome, we overcome in life by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now what I see in this verse, I see both God and us working together. Do you see that? Just like the rest of the Bible, it's not all God and it's not all us. We are working together with him. We are co-laborers with God. There's God's side and there's our side. So we overcome by the blood of the lamb. That is what Jesus has done for us. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus has done that for everyone on the planet. Are you following me? No, Jesus has done that for everybody on the planet right now, but there's a lot of people not overcoming. There's a lot of people not walking in victory. There's a lot of people not receiving it. Why? Because they forgot that they have a part to play and them overcoming. Now, what's the second part? They overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's what Jesus did for us. And by the word of their testimony. Their testimony. And I would say your testimony is this. Your testimony is when you speak out what God has done for you, but don't just stop there. You continue and not just speak what God has done for you, but what God is going to do for you. You overcome. Because we know this. We're, we're a faith church. We've been faith people for a long time around here. And what is faith? You believe in your heart, but you got to speak it out of your mouth. So your testimony is your faith speaking. Your testimony is telling people, God did all these things for me, but he didn't stop there. He's going to do this for me in the future. And so we overcome in this life by the blood of the lamb, what Jesus did for us. And we believe in that. But we got to speak out and give word to our testimony. We need to speak about our testimony. What God has done for us in the past, but what God's going to do for us in the future. Come on, anybody believe that this morning? And the Bible says this is how we overcome in this life is by what Jesus did for us. But not just that. It's only when we believe it. And we speak it out and give testimony of what he's done in our life. What he's done, but what he's going to do. Now, some of you are some old church people. I'm not just talking about age. I'm just talking about everything in your life. I'm an old church person. 
not just by age, but I'm 65 spiritually. I've told you that before. I'm an old church soul. And back in the day in churches, there used to be testimony services. Anybody old enough to remember that? Testimony services. Now, there's a reason we stopped those because it got a little crazy. Because the crazy people would grab the mic towards the end of it and just take the rest of the service. So we had to kind of filter that so the rest of the church people didn't have to listen to crazy people get up and talk. But the principle of a testimony service is right. And that's why they used to have those. A lot of times they'd be on the Sunday night service. Now you don't want to put it on Sunday morning because there's too many visitors. Put it on the Sunday night service where the real Holy Ghost Pentecostal people show up. And the testimony service used to be on Sunday night. And what they would do is they would get up and they would share about what God was doing in their life. What God was doing for them. What God was doing for their family. And you know what that did? That built, built people's faith up. That built people's encouragement up. That built people's hope that God could do something in their life. When somebody else gets up in church and says, no, God did this for me. And he can do it for you. How many know that gives you hope? That gives you encouragement? That you're just like, okay, this is a real life person. They're not just in the Bible times that God did this stuff. No, they live when I live. And they go to the same church I go to. And this is what God did for them. That gives people faith. That gives people hope and encouragement that God can do something for them too. Because he can And the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. And so those testimony services helped us. Now, how many have been in a testimony service that helped you throughout the years? Why? Because those testimonies gave you faith, gave you hope, gave you encouragement for the future that, hey, if God could do it for them, he could do it for me too. And that's why testimonies are so powerful. We see that the whole Bible is written down, but it was written down by someone speaking it and a scribe writing it down. Now, what was that scribe doing? He was giving testimony. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a story. You know, the Bible's not necessarily just a theology book. Many people treat it as that, or many people treat the Bible as a, a big book to tell you what you can't do and what you can do. No, that's not the Bible. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a story. And it's a testimony of God. It's a testimony of the goodness of God. When we read the Bible, what do we see? We see the testimony of Abraham. We see the testimony of David. We see the testimony of Esther. We see the testimony of Moses. And then we go in the New Testament. We see the testament of these early disciples. We see the testament of these apostles and these prophets and these pastors and teachers. We see Peter and James and John and we see Timothy and Titus. What is that? It's a story and it's a testimony of what God did in their life. So the Bible that you have in your lap or on your smartphone ultimately is a story. It's a testimony of what God has done. That's all it is. Now I know we try to dissect it and look at this and look at that and it's theology. Yeah, you can get all those things out of it. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's one big testimony of what God has done for us. You guys getting something so far? So the Bible is testimony. It's a story. We see in the Old Testament, God's people, which was Israel, God reminded them 
many, many times throughout the Old Testament. Some of you remember this. After they got out of Egypt, and they weren't slaves any longer, they went into the wilderness for 40 years, and God did miracles there. We see they crossed the Red Sea. God did miracles there. They went into the promised land. God did miracles there because there's actually people living in the promised land, and they had to defeat all those people. So God did miracle after miracle after miracle. And you know what God would always say in the Old Testament? Remember. Remember where you came from, Israel. Just because you're good now and you're prosperous now and you're healed now. Doesn't the Bible say that when you go into the promised land and you live in houses you didn't build? And you have vineyards you didn't dig. And you got swimming pools that you didn't start. And you're healed and you're prosperous and you're, 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 everything's great now. Oh, you're delivered. Oh, you're, you're doing great now. God says, don't remember. Remember what I told you. Don't, don't think about just where you are now. But think about what happened in the past. Don't forget about me. Don't forget about what's been done. Don't forget to remember what I've done for you. And the tendency with all of us in here, including myself, is you could see miracles and forget. You could see healings and forget. You could see God do some things and forget. And that's why God would always say in the Old Testament, look it up yourself. I know you guys have read these verses before. God says, remember. Remember what I did for you. Now, what do you do when you remember? Testimony. He says, remember what I've done for you. And he would go on and say, don't just remember, rehearse it. That means speak it out of your own mouth. And he would say, I want you to, when you get into the promised land, I want you to tell your children. And I want you to tell your children's children. And I want you to tell your neighbors. And I want you to tell your enemies. And I want you to tell everybody you know because you remember what I did for you. And you're going to rehearse it out of your mouth because you overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. And I want you to speak out, not just to remember it and keep it to yourself, but rehearse that to other people. Because that's the way you overcome. And I would say also that's the way you keep your heart right towards God. It's not just you remembering, but you remember and you rehearse it to other people. There's a really sad verse in the Old Testament that talks about generations that came after Moses and Joshua. And it says there's a generation who grew up who didn't know the things that God did for them. And they didn't know God. How could that be? Are you seeing this? How could that be? The same people that God rescued from slavery for hundreds of years. He brought them out with the silver and the gold, and there was no feeble one among them. The same God that parted the Red Sea. The same God that brought water out of the rock. The same God that fed them in the wilderness for 40 years. The same God that brought them into the promised land. It says that years later, there was a generation that grew up that didn't know God and didn't know the things that he did for his people. Why? Because somebody forgot to give testimony of it. Somebody forgot 
to remember and rehearse the goodness of God, what God has done for them. Hopefully I'm stirring you up this morning. You need to talk about your testimony more to your family, to your children, to your grandchildren, to each other in life groups. Remind each other what God did for you. At your work, at your school, with your neighbors, whoever's around you, look for opportunities to share your testimony with other people. Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. So we as a church family, we need to remember what God has done for us and rehearse it. Because if we don't talk about it, you know what happens to all of us? We forget about it. We forget. I know for a fact this is a church of miracles. I've seen it. Some of you don't act like that anymore, but I remember where you used to be. Maybe you forgot. I remember when you came into church on a Sunday morning and you had a serious sickness and disease in your body and God healed you. I remember that. Do you? I remember how you showed up at this church addicted and you needed help and God delivered you. I remember that. Do you? You need to remember and rehearse what God has done in your life. Keeps your heart right. Keeps your heart tender. Keeps your heart in the right place. Thankful for God. Thankful for your church. Thankful for men and women of God. He sent across your path to help you. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? We got to remember and rehearse what God has done for us. So what is that? It's testimony. A testimony is you remembering what God did for you and rehearsing it to other people. So in the Old Testament, we see that God would say, don't forget about me. Remember. Remember is a covenant word. Remember what I've done for you. Remember who got you to where you are today and rehearse that. Rehearse what I've done for you. It's interesting. I've never seen this till this week in my Bible. You ready for something? A lot of times in the Old Testament, we see that there was the tabernacle. The tabernacle was where God's presence was in the wilderness. It was like a tent. And it housed the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where God's presence was. And there was all sorts of things in the tabernacle for worship. There was uh, candles. There was an altar. There was a place to wash your hands. There was the outer court and the inner court and the Holy of Holies. But I've never seen this before till this week. So I type in the word testimony. And I keep seeing all these references come up in Exodus, in Leviticus, in Numbers. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not looking for the word testimony in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. I'm looking for it in the New Testament. Why does this keep coming up? Because a lot of times they would refer to, and I've never seen this, they called it the tabernacle of testimony. God's house. In the Old Testament, was referred to as the tabernacle of testimony. I'm going to take you a step further. I kept seeing this word come up again in the Old Testament, and it kept saying testimony. 
I've never seen this before. I've heard it called the Ark of the Covenant. But look in your Bible. It calls it the Ark of the Testimony. I was shocked. I have never seen that a day in my life. That in the Old Testament, God would refer to his house, his place of dwelling as the tabernacle of testimony. He would go on and say where his God, God's presence would dwell would be the ark of the testimony. So every time that God's people would see the tabernacle, they would remember the testimony. Okay, I remember now. When they would hear about the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony and remember the significance of it, they would say, okay, I remember now. Because God had to give, give them physical representation for them to remember the testimony that they had. I'm going to give you a couple things here that I wrote down. We see the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony was a testimony to God's presence. Because they knew if they had the ark, they had God's presence. So the ark of the testimony or the ark of the covenant in the Old Testament was a testimony of God's presence. They knew wherever the ark went, God's presence went with them. That's why in the Old Testament when the ark of God got stolen, they were so upset. Because in the Old Testament, God's presence only was in the ark of the testimony. But they knew if they had God's presence with them, they could do anything. They could overcome everything. They would be able to do what they're called to do because God's presence was with them. So the Ark of the Testimony is significant for God's presence. But I think it's interesting. There was three items that was in the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony. And those three items were testimonies in and of themselves. To remind God's people what he had done for them. The first thing was the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was to remind them of God's purpose. This is how you live. This is how you walk. This is how you should act in this new covenant relationship with me. The Ten Commandments were a testimony of his purpose. And the next thing was Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod was a sign of God's power. You realize when they were leaving Egypt, before they got there, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. And they said, let God's people go. And he said, no, I'm not going to let God's people go. And then Aaron's staff turned into a snake, the power of God. And he ate up all the rest of the snakes of the demonic people that were in Egypt the sorcerers, the people that were trying to intimidate Moses and Aaron. We see that Aaron's rod was the same rod that Moses would use to hold up and the Red Sea would split. The same rod that he would hit the rock and water would come out and sustain his people. And it says that Aaron's rod had roses on it, had flowers on it, even though it wasn't attached to any root, any vine. And Aaron's rod was supernatural, and it was a sign of God's power. A testimony. Now stay with me. I'm teaching you. 
But lastly, there was a jar of manna in the Ark of Testimony. And the manna stands for God's provision. In the wilderness, God provided. Forty years. There's no grocery store in the desert. You guys know that? No Taco Bell. No Wendy's. No Longhorn. No Qdoba. No graders. Nothing. No coffee crossing. In the wilderness, there was nothing. They didn't even have a place where they could plant crops because it's desert. And what happened? He put the jar of manna in the Ark of Testimony because it was a testimony of God's provision. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, and God rained down bread from heaven every day. That's supernatural. That's a testimony. He rained down bread. Every day. Now, I would hope to think that it was either Red Lobster's Cheddar Biscuits or, you ready for this? Texas Roadhouse Rolls. Now, there's no guarantee that it was, but hopefully because God's a good God and God's a God of abundance, it had to taste something like that. It, might, it maybe didn't look like that, but hopefully it tastes like that. So we see that in the Old Testament, he gave them actual signs to look at to remind them of what he has done as a testimony. What did he do? He gave them the tabernacle of testimony where God's presence was. He gave them the ark of the testimony, which was symbolic of the presence of God. He gave them the Ten Commandments, which was the purpose of God. He gave them Aaron's rod, which was the power of God. And he gave them the jar of manna because it was the provision of God. He gave them all those signs and objects to remind them of what he had done. And what does it say? That it was an ark not just of the covenant, it was an ark of testimony. All the objects in there, they could give a testimony. The commandments, the rod, the manna, oh, you can preach. Because you got a testimony. The tabernacle where God's presence was, oh, it could preach too. It was a testimony. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying today? So we can learn something from God's people in the Old Testament. To never forget what God has done. Remember, but don't just remember, rehearse it. Keep your heart right towards God. But it will also help you overcome. So as we go a little bit further today, I want to share some things to help encourage you. First of all, now we're preaching about the power of your testimony. Everybody say, my testimony. First thing I want to talk about is everyone has a testimony. Everyone. Now, I'm talking to all of you in here from the front to the back. Everyone has a testimony. And here's the second part of that. And no one can tell your testimony like you can tell your testimony. Don't you know that to be true? Now, I appreciate it when people get up here like myself and I'll repeat some testimony that somebody else gave, but nobody can tell the testimony like they can. Nobody can tell your story like you can. 
Why? Because it's your story. And you experienced, and you lived it out, and you saw God firsthand do those things in your life. So nobody can tell it like you can tell it. So that means what? You're going to have to tell it. But everyone in here has a testimony. Can I get an amen? Everyone in here has a testimony. You know, when I was growing up, now I was raised in a pastor's home for all my life, especially the first 20 years of my life, it was easy. No resistance. I didn't know the devil existed back then. (laughs) No lack. No problems. No issues. I was raised in a pastor's home for all those years. And so guess what? The power and the prayers of my father and mother protected me. But I was raised, and some of you in this place can say the same thing, in a sheltered environment. And you don't see it. Now I'm about to preach. You don't see it as a good thing when you're younger. But you got a testimony just as much as everybody else does. And actually, the people that have been through hell, they wish they had the testimony that you have. So once you act like, well, I need a test for a testimony, and I need to make a mess so I can have a message, that is the lie of the enemy. And church kids test their limits. I want to go do that so I can try to get a testimony. When you've literally heard hundreds of other people say to you before, don't go there, don't do that, I've done it, I'm recovering from that now, you can save a lot of pain and a lot of heartache, and they walk the same direction. And then what happens, they get 30 years old and they come back to church after they figured out their parents were right, their church was right, their youth pastor was right, their kids pastor was right, All the other adults in their church were right. All the people trying to avoid the heartache and pain were right. But they want to do it their own way. Come on. Good word. Good word. I don't hear any young adults and youth saying amen right now. So when you're younger, especially in in my situation, and some of you in here understand what I'm saying, you think you don't have a testimony, but you do. Now, some of you know you have a testimony. You're like, good Lord, I'm glad I'm just alive. I've been through hell and back. I'm glad I'm just alive. That's not the only person who has a testimony. Everyone in here has a testimony. Everyone in here has a story. And how many know different people's stories relate to different people? Different testimonies relate differently to other people. There's people that you can reach that I can't reach with my story. There's people that I can reach that you can't reach with your story. Why? Because different stories and different testimonies affect different people. But you have a testimony. And you don't need to go earn it. Don't try to earn it. (laughs) A lot of heartache, pain just to earn a testimony. But you got one. Everyone in here has a testimony. 
And no one could tell it like you. So I had to realize I do got a testimony. I didn't get saved out of some things. God spared me from the whole situation. I didn't have to get older and get delivered of certain things. Because he just took me around a different path that I didn't even hit it. That's a testimony. Just as much as the person who went through it and got delivered, that's a testimony. That God spared you for, from some things. And God saved you from some things. And God delivered you from some things that you didn't even have to go through it. That's a testimony just as much as the person who's went through hell and sickness and addiction and God delivered them and they almost died and God saved them. That's just as much a testimony. So everyone in this place has a testimony and a story to tell. And I believe with all my heart, I feel like the older all of us get in here, the more you realize that. When you're younger, you don't realize the significance of your story, of your testimony. But everyone in here has a testimony. You guys still with me today? So the first 20 years of my life, I was spared from a lot of things. Never smoked anything. Never drank anything. Now, don't think I'm holy or special. That's called the fear of my father. <laughs> and not that father. The physical father that could whoop my butt. Like, oh, Pastor Jordan, he's so spiritual and holy. No, I wasn't. I just didn't do certain things because I was afraid of my dad. Can I get an amen in the house of God? It wasn't the fear of God. It was the fear of my father. Now, eventually you get older and you realize they were right anyways, and you do have a fear of the Lord and don't want to do things that are dumb and they're going to hurt you. But when you're younger, sometimes the fear of a parent is all you got to work with right then. Brother Sean, lay it down. He's a good dad. So we see that the first 20 years of my life, I could feel like, you know, I don't got much of a testimony. Now I see it now. But I'm like, well, I didn't really go through much and life was good and didn't have to go overcome a lot of things. Now that is a testimony. But then when I got into my 20s and now where I'm at today, life's different. And sometimes let's be careful to judge other people what they're going through. Because sometimes you don't know. How many know if we knew what everybody was going through, we would have more compassion on people? No, you don't know. Just because they smile at church doesn't mean anything. Just because they go to your life group, just because they give tithe, doesn't mean they're not going through stuff. The enemy's mean. And he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's after people. But we have authority over them. But in my 20s, I started going through some stuff. And you know what I found out? That God is faithful. He's true. 
everything I've been taught from the Word of God works. See, you just don't get practice sometimes. And then you get in a situation, you're like, oh, i got to believe God now. Oh, this is what anxiety feels like. Oh, this is what depression feels like because I've never been depressed in my life. i got to figure something out here. And you know what? God is faithful, and God is true, and God is not a man that he should lie. And so I appreciate God for the first 20 years of living, and I appreciate the testimony then, but I appreciate the past 11 years of living of things I've been through because of what God has done. But we all got a testimony in here. And it's significant. It's important we share it with other people. Your testimony not only helps you overcome, but it helps others overcome. When we share our testimonies with others, we give them hope. We give them faith. We give them encouragement that God can do something great in their life. You know, there's a lot of people walking around the planet that's never heard that God did anything. There's people you go to school with, no one's ever talked to them about God doing anything. They think, well, that's just in the Bible times. There's people that you go to work with that's never heard anybody that God did anything for. They think that's just for a long time ago. But when you speak up and say something, and give your story, and give your testimony, then people say, oh, God can do that. I thought that was just in the Bible times. I thought that was just for spiritual giants. But actually, God did that for my coworker. He could do it for me too. God delivered my friend at school. He can do it for me too. God healed my neighbor of cancer. He can do it for me too. And when we share it, we help not just ourselves overcome, but others overcome. Because they receive faith and hope and encouragement that God is real and God can do something. I'm preaching 50% better than you're responding this morning. Come on, the people that respond are the people that know it's true that knows that God has done something in their life. When you look at me like, that means you haven't experienced the goodness of God yet. But people that have been through something and seen God's goodness and seen God's grace and seen God's miracles and seen God's power, they respond to what God has done. They respond. I want to remind some of you again, don't forget, Don't forget, because sometimes you forget. You forget what God did for you. You forget what happened. You forget those things. What happens, just like the people in the Old Testament, their heart would start drifting from God. Start drifting from the house of God. Oh, if I got a miracle here, why would I miss a service? Oh, God healed my life through this place. Why would I ever not want to be a part? I'm all in. Because I've seen what God has done in my life and in my church and through people who I love. And I'm not going to forget about it. I'm going to remember 
But not just remember and keep it to yourself. I'm going to rehearse it to people. Oh, I'm going to tell them about it. I'm going to tell them about it. Not to make me look better, but to make God look great. To say, no, God can do this for you. God can heal you. God can deliver you. Things can be different. There is freedom. There is a real God. I don't know where you went before, where they acted like God doesn't have any power anymore. They are lying, not telling the truth. There is a real God. He really does heal. He really does deliver. He really does save. He really does care about your life. There is power to be an overcomer in this life. There's power to have victory. And somebody just needs to say it. How many know people are looking for somebody just to say that? They're like, I know God can do that, but nobody says it. But most people are desiring that. They're like, I just wish somebody would speak up and say God is real and he can actually do something in your life. Not this stuff. Well, all the power of God was done away with in the New Testament. We're just hopeless now, 2,000 years later. No. God is real. I promise you people are more hungry than you realize to hear you say that. At your job, at your school, at your gym, in your community, people are hungry to hear a testimony that God can do something. Well, I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know about you. It helps you overcome, but it helps others overcome. Now, here's something that we need to be careful of. When we give our testimony, we need to show them the before picture, not just the after. (laughs) We get really good in the church world at showing everybody our after pictures. After the facelift. After the liposuction. After the makeup and the hair fixed. We get really good at showing people the after pictures of us, not the before pictures. And how many know when you show people your after pictures, it doesn't encourage anybody? Because they think, well, I can never be like that. And I can never do that. Some of you have even thought in this church, you see a brother Les, you see a brother Sean. You see other men and women of God in this church and you think, they've always been this way. No, they haven't. You should see the before pictures. Brother Les has told you some about the before pictures. You should see the before pictures of Brother Les. You just see the after ones. You should see the before pictures of Brother Sean with the tall hair. Not just the after ones. But you know what happens when we only let people see the after pictures? They're like, well, I can't do that. That's not me. That's not life. So you guys see the after pictures of a brother Joe and Miss Liz. They're a beautiful couple. Can I get amen? amen? Prosperous. God has blessed them. Creative. You guys are really a beautiful couple, by the way. Yeah, I'm talking about both of you. Come on. You see them now, but you don't see their before picture. 
And you could think they've always been this way. No, they haven't. Just like we haven't always been this way. Can I get amen? So when we're telling our testimonies, don't just give people the after picture. Give them the before. Now use wisdom. Don't need to tell everything. (laughs) But let them see the before picture. I mean, a lot of you guys have seen that on TV. You'll see like an athlete. You'll see like before he started training, you'll see the before picture. He's scrawny, doesn't have many muscles. And then you'll see kind of like Noah Stumbler, someone like that. (laughs) It's a joke, guys. Laugh. Okay. Okay. I had to. I wanted to say Bruce, but he's not here, so I'm going to use Noah. So you see the before pictures, he's scrawny, he's growing up, he, you know, he's going through puberty still, all the above. And then you see the after pictures, like me, muscular, athletic, defined, beard, mature. So you could think someone's always been this way, but no, they haven't. You didn't see the before pictures. You know, and I'm not ashamed to say either, this will be the last time he's at church, I apologize. Sometimes you'll see HGTV. Anybody a fan of HGTV in here? I don't care. I'm a guy. I watch Fixer Upper. I don't care. And I like it. But you see the before pictures, and then you see the after pictures. They don't look like the same house. And how many know when you give your testimony, you need to give the before and the after what God has done in your life. And, yeah, you look completely different now than you used to look. Give some people some hope and let them see the before house, not just the after Joanna Gaines gets her hands on a house. Or I would say the scariest thing is this, when they do the makeovers, especially with makeup, some of you women are evil. (laughs) I'm going to explain myself when I say that because you got the spirit of deception all over you. Because when they show the before picture without anything on, and some of these makeup artists that are really good, and they show the after picture, you are lying to that man. (laughs) You are deceptive. Because those two people are not the same two people. (laughs) But how many know when you're putting makeup online, a lot of times you don't show the before picture. You only show the after picture. So let me encourage you with that when you tell your story and your testimony. Give people the before, not just the after. Why? Because it will give people hope that God can do it for them. I love it. The apostle Paul, he never let his Saul get too far from his Paul. I mean that He would never forget that he used to be Saul one day. And he used to be someone who killed Christians, not someone who built the church. But you see, all throughout the New Testament, even though Paul was forgiven, he was made righteous by God, he never forgot where he came from. He never forgot that he wasn't always the Apostle Paul 
that we read the two-thirds of the New Testament that he wrote. One time he was Saul, and he was mean, and he was religious, and he was killing people. But what happened? God got a hold of his life. And that person who was Saul turned into a different person, Paul, and became a new person who changed the world as we know it because of a testimony. You guys still here? I'm wrapping it up here. People need to hear it. People need to see it because there's power in your testimony. Brother Daryl, could you come play for a moment? I'm going to wrap this up. Could we look over at Proverbs 11:25? There's power in your testimony, church family. You need to say it. You need to speak it. It helps you overcome, but it helps others overcome too. Proverbs 11 and verse 25. It says, the generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, why am I reading this verse? Because this is like a a money verse. This is scripture we use when we talk about the offering. But it's not just talking about the offering. It's talking about giving in any way we, we can or any way we do. And notice what it says. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. When we share our testimony, not only do we overcome, we help others overcome. But what does this verse say? Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. When we share our testimony and our story to other people, we bring refreshing on other people. But it says that when we do that, we will be refreshed ourselves. See, I don't know about you, but when I'm doing this this Sunday morning, preaching to you, this is the most fulfilling thing I do all week. Why? Because I'm trying to refresh you, and when I try to refresh you, I'm refreshed myself. I don't know about you, but when you're talking to somebody one-on-one, I know some of you have been in this situation before. You speak to them, and you tell them what God has done in your life, and you can see the other person. It's helping them. And you can see the hope in their eyes, and you can see that they're believing you, and you can see they're being encouraged I'm talking outside of the church. And when that happens, that's the most fulfilling thing in life to do is when you're helping other people. It's the most refreshing thing to do. It's when we share our story and our testimony with others. When you refresh others, yourself will be refreshed. I don't know about you, but I I don't feel like I'm the only one in here who's experienced that before talking to somebody maybe it's just a verse and you know it helped them what do you feel like you feel refreshed you feel fulfilled maybe it's a conversation and somebody's depressed and suicidal and anxious and you speak to them and you say you know what I went through what you went through and God is real and God is true and there is hope and when you get out of that conversation you feel refreshed Why? Because when you refresh others, yourself will be refreshed. And we got to be honest with ourselves. It's selfish when we keep our testimony to ourselves. 
It's selfish. Because when we give our testimony, it's the most fulfilling, life-giving thing that we can do with our time, with our words, is to share with others about what God has done for us. I just want to encourage you, you, starting today, I encourage you to look for opportunities to tell people your story. Look for opportunities at your job and at your school, in your community, wherever you are. Look for those open doors and open windows because God will give you them with people to share your story and your testimony with other people. It could change somebody's life. It could help that person struggling overcome because they have hope now. And they have faith now. And they have encouragement now because somebody told them their story. Come on, are you receiving this today? Really, the whole month of November is going to be the month that we're going to emphasize testimonies. And I want to challenge you with that to find those opportunities to tell people your story. One last verse, Hebrews 1, Hebrews 11, 1. says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Notice, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. It's talking about all the men and women of faith that went before us. And how many know at this point in time, there's a lot of men and women of faith that went before us. Millions. Billions. And it says that by faith, the elders or the people that went before us obtained a good testimony. By faith, they obtained a good testimony. The reason I read this verse is because that is my heart today for you and for me. That it would be said at the end of our lives, more than anything else, that they had a good testimony. Put it on your tombstone. That they had a good testimony. That they didn't keep that testimony and story of what God did in their life to themselves, but they shared it with other people. Let it be said of us and our church family and our church people that we obtained a good testimony just like the men and women of God that went before it. Do you take that challenge? Come on, do you take that challenge today? That we would have a good testimony. People can't argue with your testimony. Can't argue with your story. 